Patriots. Welcome to the Capital Life Podcast. I am your host, Abby Pagood. This is where we talk about all the things that life brings. The good, the bad, and of course, the healthy. And today's episode is called Expand Your Leaves. We have another edition of Keeping It Real with Real People. And our special guest today is this amazing couple, Eric and Don Blake with Blake Wealth Management. Welcome to the Capital Life, Don and Eric. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So before we jump into expanding our leaves, we need to make sure that you guys are paying attention to what's going on with the Capital Health app, guys. It is in development. I know it's been taking. You guys have been so patient and understanding and how long the process takes, but it's going to be freaking fabulous. And I know you guys are going to absolutely love it. But I want you guys to go to CapitalHealth.com. That's K-A-P-I-T-O-L Health.com. And I want you to check out the Capital Founders page. On the Capital Founders page, it not only explains what's to come with the app, but even more importantly, exclusive deals where you can get three months free for a one-year plan. You can also get six months free for a two-year plan. But as soon as the app launches, those deals are gone. So I want you to jump on to Capital Health and check out the Capital Founders page. Become a Capital Founder and you'll get a wicked awesome t-shirt on top of an extra program for free. Okay. This episode of The Capital Life is brought to you by Blake Wealth Management. Don and Eric are now part of the Capital Health Partnership, and I can't wait to see what you ha- what they have in store for you guys. They help you get financially prepared for the future, getting your ducks in a row, and making sure that you're building the life and the dream that you want in the future. So go ahead and check them out, Blake Wealth Management. They are absolutely fantastic people, and you will absolutely adore them. Please like and share and rate us on whichever platform you are listening to us on. It's how we start to really spread the message of good in the world that needs it so much right now. But now that we said all that, let's expand our leaves. Okay, guys. So I'm so excited to have you on today. One of the things when I think of your company, when I think about what you guys do, it really gives me like that vision of a solid oak tree. So like, you know, you think of like the oak tree, it, when you see these beautiful tree, like the leaves change, they've got that solid roots that go in that like you just can't bulldoze them down because they're just ancient and true and so connected to, you know, the foundational structure of life and developing, right? And it's like you get those expanded leaves that just completely fan out. Then you've got all, you know, we always have different phases in our life with, you know, all of our experiences when we're going through different things in our life of life phases. And, you know, like Oak Tree does the same thing with each season. It just goes through this gorgeous blooming process, the shedding of skin, this transformation of rebirth and growth. And I love that you guys really try to provide that to the people that you give service to. Can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what got you wanting to do what you wanted? Why did you start doing this for a business in the first place? So I've been a financial planner, financial advisor since July of 1999. So I've seen everything. (laughs) I've seen 9-11, 9-11, Y2K, great financial crisis, been through it all. But and it, and really the reason I got into it was uh, it was the opportunity to help people, help make a difference in people's lives by helping them make better financial decisions. Because it's we've all gone through the cha- we've gone through the same challenges. You know, when you're young, you think that credit cards are just an easy way to get stuff. And then eventually you figure out that that's the wrong path and you get yourself on the right track. And then for me, it was actually from, she went to a, Don went to a seminar, and she's as a teacher, where they did a presentation. We came in, talked to the financial advisor, went through the process ourselves, and I immediately knew this is what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Interesting. Making a difference in people's lives, helping them make better financial decisions. And I think there's actually, as you probably would agree with, I think you will agree with, is that the financial aspects of our lives have a tremendous effect on the health aspects of our life. Mm-hmm. If you're stressed about money, if you're stressed about it, because the stress about money causes stress in relationships, causes you to avoid doing the things you need to do from a health perspective, you emotionally eat, you stop working out, you do all these different things. So that's kind of our kind of my connection to saying, hey, we want to, I want to make a 
whatever I want to do for with my life, I want it to make a difference in the people's in the difference make a difference in other people's lives. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up because it, it is so extremely important to really think about stress levels and how it affects the body, right? Stress levels increase inflammation, which then in turn start, you know, the cortisol levels go up. You end up being like on, I always think of a hamster that constantly is on its wheel going, 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 and it can't stop. And so it's like, you know, you, you force yourself when you hit, have a stress response, you go into that fight or flight mode. And then you even behaviors end up being different. You know, your viewpoint perspective really changes. I mean, it's even trying when people go through a very big stress response, our natural tendency is to hermitize, like to regress and pull back. And it doesn't, and really what we need to be doing is expanding ourselves, expanding outside of ourselves so that we can actually dig deep and actually figure out what the solution is. And a lot of times, like, I don't know about you, but you know, I don't know if it's necessarily from my upbringing or just because I am the way that I am because I just handle a lot. But my biggest fault is that I don't reach outside. I have the resources, I just don't do that. How would you encourage someone to reach outside of themselves so that they can actually get the help they need instead of festering in their hermit stress box? Sometimes it's just making the decision. Did you realize that you're you're headed down the wrong path, or not maybe not even the wrong path, just the path that you're not Sticky. comfortable it's, with? Yeah, right? it's like a murky it's a murky road. And I think that's a challenge. You know, I have a, I have a hard time with it, asking for help. Is just saying, okay, I I don't know which direction I need to go. I need to ask for help. Find resources. Find professionals that have expertise in whatever I'm needing help with, whether that's health, whether that's diet, whether it's money. Yeah. So find being willing to step out of your comfort zone and find people that have the expertise and the intelligence to guide, put you on the right path. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And, you know, Don, you have been by his side for how many years now? <laughs> how many, how many, how much credit do you get? 26 officially, right? 26. Well, officially, I don't yeah, know. Officially. Married for 26 years. <laughs> okay, and how many, how many years did you put up with them before that? Because I count those. Oh, uh, four? Was it four? So December, okay, so almost, December of, almost 30 years. Yeah, almost yeah, 30 December years. of 1990. Okay. Yeah. And when he, so when he decided that this is what he wanted to do, were you just like all hands on deck or was there any kind of reservation? Uh, no, I just, this was, this was his time to shine. Uh, I think, but uh, it's, it's so unique that when, when I made the decision to come on board, uh, working with him again, I was in education for 25 years, uh, prior to making the decision to come on board with him, uh, amidst the pandemic. Uh, and you know, you were talking too about the stress and, and I began to see a lot of, not just within the education system, but beginning to even hear from friends, consolidating you know, the structure and the businesses began to add that level of stress too. But to go back to, um, to us, I remember whenever we first got married, uh, kind of seeing that teamwork dynamic. Yeah. Uh, he and I were both uh, coaches on a basketball team. And uh, we, I was head coach, he was assistant coach, and it was always that, it was always that seeing what I didn't see. Yeah. You know, uh, always, you know, keeping me ahead of the game, letting me know what was going on statistics-wise and so forth and making those shifts. So I kept thinking, okay, um, that's just one of many examples within 26 years to say, okay, if we do this together, and again, it was always that, well, you know, you're working together as a couple you know, uh, together all the time, (laughs) outside work, inside work. And, uh, I'm sure at some point he may, uh, you know, bring up the why of, uh, of, uh, of why, of why getting with the, uh, working with like, uh, as Blake Wolf management. Uh Um, but being able to work together dynamically as, as a team. And then on top of it, even his grandmother always said, made the comment one time to me, I said, you know, what do you think it's going to be like working with Eric full time? She said, you will always have something to talk about. And wow. so I thought that that was a That's really powerful cool. statement coming from, you know, and again, it doesn't always be in its work, but we can, you know, we can talk, we can talk about things anytime we want to. And I love that relationship that we have. Great. Well, and you were primarily raised by women in your life. Like what was the, a little bit of the background, if you can tell the audience, if you'd be willing to share. Sure. So, uh, so I never knew my biological father. 
So I never spoke to him, never had, never wrote a letter to him, never got a letter from him. Did you know no. his name like on your birth certificate? So yeah, I was actually named after him. Okay, but, interesting. But they, but my parents divorced before I was a year old, and I never, that was it. So I have no visual memories of him, no memories whatsoever. So my mother raised me, for the most part, as a single mom. But my grandparents played a significant role. And my grandfather, who is actually who I consider my father figure, I actually called him daddy. Yeah. So, you know, when you're, when you're not even a year old and everybody else around you is calling this man daddy, what else would you call him? Right? Right. So it wasn't papa, grandpa, it was daddy. That's well, what I mean, I and there's an, also a difference because, you know, my I have the same, uh, same kind of thing. My dad was a narcissistic sociopath for Christ's sake and then became a minister you know like I mean so that his flock could praise him you know like it was just I mean it was it was like you you witness these things these creatinous people you know and sometimes you know and I'm not going to go into the debate on whether it's better they stay or if it's better they go it's just like they're a piece of shit and they just need to get the hell away like I mean just be done with it but we have these amazing influential people that are in our families and, you know, and bless my, my mom, she did the best job that she could with what she was capable, you know, but, you know, she also struggled. She was bipolar with psychosis. Like there was significant illness factors in the 80s where she didn't get diagnosed and properly medicated. So it was like she did what she could and my grandparents stepped in. Now, I do have to give credit to my grandmother because she never stepped on mother toes. She always remained in grandmother position and respected that position. My grandfather, on the other hand, he jumped up, he stepped in, and literally that man was my dad. And when my when we lost him in um, 2018, um, you know, he was 94, like, I mean, he had a great life, huge impact on all of our family members. But the one person that was really hit the most was me um, because I was so young. It was losing my father at the age of 34 like you know it was a very it was a very very big deal and i think the hardest part for me was when you're getting all the letters of acknowledgement of the, like uh, your condolences they're all written to my mom they were all written to my aunt they were all written to other people so it was like and his best friends would come up to me or they would you know would send me a message and they would reach out and say we're so sorry we know he was your dad like you know because they knew but it really kind of like, it's amazing that these people, you know, just jump in and take over and do so many wondrous things for us, um, especially when we needed it so much, especially when we're so young and so impactful. And it's like, all we needed was a guide yeah. and someone saying like, I'm on your team, like yeah. go Eric, right? Mm -hmm. But your grand, your mom was amazing and your grandmother was a huge influential person. Yeah, so I, well. now that's always... As I've gotten older and you kind of think back and say, what what sacrifices did my mom make in order to make my life as normal as possible? Right. So you think about, so we always took a, a vacation every spring break, went to Hawaii, went to Florida. She sent me to a private elementary school. Okay. So what did she give up in order to make this a reality, to make sacrifices. this as normal as possible? Right. And she always, she makes the joke that she... She, in her mind, doesn't feel like she was a great mother, but she did the best that she could. She always, she, she makes the joke that we raised each other. You know, because you think about it, she was only, she was 21 when I was born. Yeah. So, and just going through a divorce. So before she, again, I always talk about it from my perspective, saying you know, I, I never knew my biological father. He was gone before I was a year old. But this is a, you know, 21-year-old mother who's now on her own before she's 22, and what, what did she give up? What did she, what were the trade-offs she gave in order to make my life as normal as possible? Right. So as much as she kind of feels like, hey, I wasn't, may not have been a great mom, you know, I can't blame her for anything because yeah, she gave me as much of a normal life as she could. Right. Uh, and I just well, had no and, and I think that's today. I think that's one of the problems with today, like with kids today, they're having a really hard time. You know, it's, there's a lot of victimization going on. It's always like, you know, what was done to me? And it's like, you know what, a majority of parents, like I get we have these situations where we have crap people and, you know, we can't do anything about them. Like, they're not saying, like, it's fine. But I really do think that, you know, a lot of the kids today are not realizing that a majority of parents are giving the 
best life they possibly can, trying to create the best, always better than themselves, right? We're always trying to give our children more than what we had, mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, teach them things that we wish we were taught at the same time. And some of these kids very much feel like they're deprived or somebody doesn't understand or they're, you know, really doing this. And it's like, you know, you, you did, you set a perfect example. It's like, you know, there's not anything to blame your mom. Everything she did was intentionally good. It was always intentionally providing and protecting your future. And that is like having the forethought to think ahead. And I love how you said, you know, oh, you know, we raised each other. Well, I mean, I remember what it was like having, you know, you pop out this kid out of your vajayjay and then all of a sudden they're like, give it to you. And they're like, okay, go ahead and take it home. And you're like, what the fuck? Mine. Like, you're letting me leave with this? Like, like, like well, so this here, is a here's, human being. There's another part of the story. So I was a month late when I was born and oh I weighed gosh. over 10 pounds. Holy so. crap. <laughs> oh my word. That poor woman. Like, that wouldn't even happen today. But yeah, that was, that's yeah. a true story. So wow. I came out a month late. As she said, I just didn't want to come out. So you're too happy. You just right. weren't, you weren't done cooking. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that happened. You know, and I I love birth stories because I don't know, like with your kids and my kids, like I, when I go over the birth story, so much do I see how much of it is part of who they are and part of their personality. You mm -hmm. know, like you know, my daughter. You know, I, she was supposed to be, uh, her due date was the 24th, right? And then we come up on Sunday, we're picking her grandmother up from the airport. And she's like, I thought you would have this kid already. And I was like, well, if she doesn't come tomorrow. They're going to make her come out at exactly 530, you know, like, because I was scheduled for an induction. Sure enough, it's like driving home. It's like she heard me say that to grandma and she's like, oh, frick no. I come out when I want to. And then I went into labor that evening, wow. like not even an hour and a half later yeah. so it was just kind of it's you know it's a, totally her personality where she's like no I'm gonna do things on my terms and not anybody else's terms and I don't like don't even yeah. just don't tread on that water <laughs> where like my son he totally did it but he took his precious ass time right. because it was like a little of the Braxton Hicks at 12 while I'm raking the yard you know and then it was just like okay you know I, I get little spurts here and there and I'm like okay something's happening but he's just like haha like you know and it's just his personality because he's totally the ham yeah. now you guys have two kids we do and they're each 20 26 26 and 23 okay yep. and, and now we're into full-time empty nester mode yes and actually uh speaking of the the poundage uh son was actually born almost three weeks early same same size Shut the same front same. door. Yes, and uh, yeah, that's crazy. Ten, ten five, what? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. How tall is he? Six, six. I think he's six, six. six. He may yeah. be. Uh, he says six yeah. five, but I think so. The best. I think that I think the greatest the greatest achievement I think is so awesome whenever we walk into a restaurant and you know um my kids call me the shouty <laughs> of the oh, really? whole group, which I know that that is a different conversation. It's great. Okay. But we walk in and here is you know. Me at five eleven, uh, daughter is six one. Son, you know, husband six two six three, and then you know, son six six. And so it's grandpa's. You know, it's in the genes. Which guys, for those of you that are listening, <laughs> you guys have to understand that I met Dawn at one of like the most power women impactful like conferences that we have in our local town, and we met with her coming up to me being like. Hey, yeah, can I borrow you for a second? I just think it would be so fun if you just jumped in my arms and we took a picture because <laughs> I am five foot and she's 5'11. And I'm just like, hell freaking yes, I'll do that. Like, no problem. And she's like, the fact that you just said yes is like makes my heart sing. Like, and I like my favorite thing is the fact that she's wearing a watch that has peanuts on her wrist. Swatch and, girl, oh, straight up girl. Well, but the best part, I was totally raised on peanuts, like yeah. crazy. Like my that's all my mom did that she only got peanuts car. Yeah. And that's like how I was raised. And so like you totally are pulling out your school teacher <laughs> mode with like your character. You're like, hey, I got my bling. I was yeah. like, at first I almost thought it was SpongeBob. And then I was like, nope, peanuts. It's classics. Peanuts. Gotta go with the classics. Peanuts are Garfield. So... <laughs> If you're finding this helpful and insightful, don't forget to connect with us on Facebook and YouTube at Capital Health. That's K-A-P-I-T-O-L Health. You can also check us out on CapitalHealth.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter and get Wicked Awesome updates whenever we put out new blogs. Okay, so being that you guys are empty nesters, that there's a huge shift in the house. Mm -hmm. And one, it's really quiet. 
Like I, the it's almost like that's a, what you think. Well, yeah, right? is it is it loud in your house? I mean, she's always loud. Okay, yes, yeah, she is. She's so fun. I love her. Um, well, you guys like. How did you guys handle the shift at first? So, like, when they actually started leaving for college, and then it was just one of them, and then after both of them left, like, did that end up putting, like, a different perspective of how you guys function? Because I know the kids so much when they're in the house really keep you interconnected. Yes. And they, like, it's like the daily fix, and it's Mm -hmm. just like, hey, honey, I just have to let you know so-and-so's got to be picked up or blah, blah, blah. Like, and there's always that. Like, there's things, tons of things to do. Mm -hmm. And then when the kids leave, it's like, okay, we still have our individualness Mm -hmm. of our objectives and our things, but then the kids aren't there. And so it's like, it's almost like you have to work a little extra hard to check in with one another. I mean, Mm -hmm. my husband and I, we kind of stalk each other on a regular basis, but... (laughs) I mean, if we haven't heard from each other in a couple hours, we're like, wait, what's happening? Yeah. You know, but he, he makes a comment all the time when we drive anywhere together because we could be going to, you know, out to eat or we could be going to an event or we're doing something. And he says, to, I'll tell him, oh, if you turn here, you can take this street. And then he's yeah. like, how the hell do you know this? I was like, oh, I'm down the street all the time. He goes, I have no idea how the hell we met because we take completely opposite paths yeah. on a regular and we talk to completely different people. Yes. And there was even a moment where I worked for a chiropractor for Beloit Chiropractic in um, the Chicago area. And it was hilarious because there was a guy that was a patient there mm-hmm. that I actually worked it, like do, handling their physical therapy and such out of, out of the chiropractic office, my husband was running the bowling se- local bowling center as the GM. And this guy was a patient of Dr. Malloy's. And then he also bowled in one of the leagues that my husband ran. Mm-hmm. And he knew my husband for years. And then here, everyone's been telling him about me. And then I come up behind the desk and he's like, wait a minute, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm Abby, whatever. And they're like, oh my gosh, my wife's told me about you. I thought you were a lot bigger, you know, because I guess my (laughs) reputation's a little intimidating. But then as we're talking, they're like, you know, I've only known one other person with that last name. That's so interesting. It's such a, a unique last name. And I was like, Oh, who who's the person? He's like, oh, you wouldn't know him. He he works over at Brunswick, and he runs like this location. And I'm just like, yeah, that's my husband. Like, and they're like, <laughs> what? You know, like, but the face of the guy was so funny because he never would have put the two of us together, right? Because of how different we are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, almost in an opposites attract perspective. But like, how do you? How did you guys mold over and be able to keep the interconnection going and keep your own individualization? Well, I'll I'll answer this for you. Um, uh, mothers today, especially, um, find themselves so caught up in everything that they've got going on, both in their children's lives, their husbands' lives, everything at home. And I think it, you know, especially seeing the dynamics of my mother and the generational shift today. I mean, it's just, I feel that we don't necessarily create more for our kids to do. It just seems today like there is so much more that we're having to handle as, as mothers. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So the first day, or the or dropped our daughter off at, at uh, Texas A&M and uh, didn't cry, didn't get emotional at all. It was just, it was just another thing on my list that I had to take care of. Right. You would have thought I would have just been falling apart, you know, distances, you know, yeah, like the normal still, womanly response. She could be an hour away and it still would be too far for Were me. Were you right? crying? Probably. <laughs> so <laughs> Any, anything that hurts her, hurts me way more. Our yeah, daughter. I, yeah. yeah. So, we can tell you all kinds of stories yeah. of, of me breaking down of something that happened to her. Not anything bad, but natural. Impact. But moms That's are good. always usually the, the one just, you know, and again, Men do too, but you know the caretaking of just one thing after another, the thing on the list. Yeah, right? we soldier up. So yeah. she drove. We drove off, got home, everything was fine. Got right back to work that Monday. Um, I was pulling into uh, the parking lot to go to Office Depot to buy me a calendar. I parked and just started bawling, and it had nothing to do with the fact that she wasn't there. It was all of a sudden. What am I going to do with my time? Yeah. I don't know what to do with I don't want to say it was free time, but it's just that. No, it's like your my whole life around price. your kids. Every, everything that I was doing, the schedule, uh, I mean, you know, 
just keeping up with what was going on on a regular basis. And, you know, you were mentioning, uh, too, even as empty nesters, um, is now then finding that time between both of us to, uh, he'd always wanted, he always wanted date nights. You know, anytime we were together, trying to be able to find that time within the week for us to be able to do something together. And Which is so refreshing because usually it's the female that's like, where's my freaking date night? Like, like I need a ladies' day and I need a date night. And like, but Absolutely. I love the fact that he was the one that was like, I need more quality Always time. Always pushing. Yeah. You know, even even as an educator, even as you know, as busy parents, it was it was easy to be able to get caught up in all the you know, all the responsibilities. I think we stuff. do that yeah. as women. I mm-hmm. think I think our natural like you know. It, just, it feeds on our heart center, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, we have that compassion and that drive to, like, want to caretake. Mm-hmm. And then it's, like, it doesn't matter if it's a friend, if it's family, if it's, you know, like, our husbands, our kids. Like, we are always just kind of like, oh, sure, I can do that. You know, right. and we jump in. And then we end up realizing, holy crap, we just extended ourselves way too far. Right. And then we didn't leave time for some of the things that were, like, more important. Right. Um, and it's... It's interesting because it's like, you know, I'm watching my husband and I because, you know, with our kids, they're they're so far apart. So we've got the 25-year-old, we've got the 14-year-old, we've got the 6-year-old. So that 6-year-old, you know, damn kid, it's time to grow up. Like, <laughs> what are you just kidding. I was like, I'm enjoying all the baby modes that I can, I can but, you know, he's at that 6-year-old transition of like, hey, I'm really about to jump into real kid mode. And it's just become very apparent, like, oh, crap, he's really the last one. Like, that, like we're we're done unless we get a random surprise which i'm young enough for that to happen but like let's just never mind um so but it's so interesting because i'm when i'm thinking about finances when i'm thinking about life when i'm start thinking about the setup i'm thinking about ahead when my kids get married and they have kids and what kind of environment or position that i want to be in for them mm-hmm. and my husband still sometimes in the present and I'm like keep jumping ahead to the vision ahead but I think I have a tendency to do that because I'm always a dreamer um, but it's just it's very interesting because there is so much there's so many parents out there that lose that connectivity and that um, they really like they didn't check in with each other in the moments when the kids were being raised so mm-hmm. then when they the kids leave yes, they're almost they perfect each other. they don't know they each don't. other they have to learn each mm-hmm. other all over again right. and it's like digging deep into you know the hurtful feelings of when you know one had to power up and the other mm-hmm. one wasn't there right. or vice versa mm-hmm. and making sure that you're clearing out like any of the vengeance feelings that you might have had right. holding any animosity towards the exactly. person for the sacrifices that you made yeah oh, no. absolutely that, that makes sense and yeah. I, you know and one of the things i've always kind of said to myself because you know with us being women and our approach is like a little bit different my husband you know he's ex-military I mean he was a ranger in, during desert storm in the army mm-hmm. for Christ's sake so like you know he's got a more like approach to things even though he's this huge softy on the inside but I always reminded myself that our children and our life is just as important to him as it is to me mm-hmm. and I may not understand the, his approach of doing things but I have to honor and respect the fact that I know how much we mean to him. And so I need to allow him space to handle it the way he needs to handle it. Yes. And it's interesting because he'll like challenge my kids to think in more complex ways or figure out solutions for themselves. Really amazing like teaching dynamic that sometimes I don't even understand until he's finished the lesson. And then I'm like, oh shit, I think you just taught me something there. Like right. <laughs> it's just, it is very cool though, because you can, it's about creating that unity and that togetherness mm-hmm. and, you know, and I love to see how you still, you know, I mean, you're still doing a lot within the community. I mean, you mm-hmm. even do the bus run, the crosswalking right. for your kids. And it's like, <laughs> that's something you don't have to do anymore, right. but you willingly do that and do. you get wholesomeness and good from it. And I just, I love seeing people that, you know, really show love to other people, mm-hmm. even outside of their family and that dynamic. And I think that's such a big big deal did there were there moments that when you Eric when you were trying to you know go through the shift of you know family life and where things going like were there things that were hard that you had to work on with Dawn that just to get your own balance or even have her hear you when she's so busy (laughs) well I think the there's kind of the way I looked at it is when you're married to a teacher 
you just kind of understand what they are going through on a daily basis. Okay. Nobody understands really what it's like to be. I, I don't really understand it, but I could see what she was dealing with. I would so be an alcoholic a constant, if I was a teacher. Yeah, yeah. yeah. people talk about <laughs> well, you, you get your you get your summers off. You get these days. That's just making. Uh, that's just recovery time for teachers. We're talking about grading papers and dealing with administration. And oh, they're like fourteen hours on five, six days a week. So that's that's really? always been my view. Number one, you know, I talked about like I became a financial advisor because I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. Teachers get into teaching, they know they're not getting into it to make money. They're getting into it to make a difference in their children's lives. Right. So you have to kind of step back and understand that's why they why they do what they do. And she is she is literally somebody that will give her shirt, give the shirt off her back to help anybody. And you have that's, that's, where, right that's where you have to pull back the reins on her is helping too much. Yeah. Is committing to too much and saying you can't help everybody. It's just not possible. But I also look at it and say, okay, after 25 years of her being a teacher, us now working together, we're just making we're just making up the lost time. Yeah. So our situation, I think, was a little bit different because you know when she got out of teaching, really call let's call it early 2020, right, kind of as the pandemic's getting started, we were now together all the time. But I didn't really look at it. We didn't have you know there's always going to be clashes and things you don't agree 100 percent. Right, because we're people right. and humans. But in That's terms right. of from my perspective, it's just. This is time we've lost that yeah. we're making up now. Yeah. So that I never, you know, it was there's always going to be frustrations, but you know, and I, would, I don't know if you have you ever seen the the movie Mr. Holland's Opus? Yes, of course. It's one of so my husband's favorites. Actually. So that is how I always envisioned her retiring. Interesting. Right, but that's not what happened. So you know, Mr. Holland's Opus, he's he gets into teaching because he can't, he's not making money as a musician. But then 30 years later, everybody's in the in the auditorium celebrating, Everybody impacted, crying. yeah. But it didn't work out for her like that. Yeah. But that's always the way I viewed it because she was, I mean, she still gets Facebook messages, emails from students, other teachers, administrators, still saying how big of an influence she was on their lives. Kids becoming history teachers now because of her class and the mm -hmm. way she treated them in her class. So I can't, there's nothing I can look back and say, well, you shouldn't have done that because, again, she did what she wanted to do. She made a difference in these people's lives. So now that we're working together, it's just, again, we're just making up for some of that lost time. And again, we are, there's, we went to high school together for three years before she went to a different school. There is not a single classmate we have that would have, that would have expected us to be together. Uh, <laughs> the response really? is, "You're with him." Like uh, seriously? Oh, oh yeah. I'm which so we are completely different. Every every yes. spectrum. Okay, because my because my it's so funny because my husband like he'll always sit there and when he talks about me at work or with other people or to be like, "Oh yeah, we, I married way above my league," and I don't get that. Like I just. I don't see it because I see us at such equals, like we're so complimentary of each other. But then like he has this dynamic of this and then I'll have this dynamic of the opposite. And it's just really, because the people we associate with will be like, you know, they're like, oh yay, pro Abby side or pro Rudy side or whatever. But then they're like, wait, what is that? Oh no, she's the better one. Oh no, he's the better one. Like, you know, so it's like, there's all this different, it's just so funny. People's perspectives are hilarious, but I love that. Like you must, it must've been hilarious going to a high school reunion and then be like, what? Like, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, cause I, I was the quiet one. Never talked to a whole lot of people when I was in high school. I played sport. We both played sports, so that's kind of where the connection ended we, up coming. We met in. at a rec center. Okay. <laughs> so, but you know, she was. You know, everybody knew who she was. Nobody knew who I was. They said, "Is it that, the guy that plays on the basketball team?" That's yeah. kind of that's who I was. All you have to that do guy is that played on the basketball. Hey, you just had a strategic long game and you nailed it. So, <laughs> like, that's all. You know, it's so funny because like you bringing up the basketball story. Uh, I didn't, I've never told you this, but I, we also, my husband and I both coached my son's basketball team mm -hmm. and I was the head coach and my husband was the assistant coach. And it was hilarious because this was boys. Like, I mean, you've got all these boys running around, you know, they're at their, you know, nine, 10 years old mm -hmm. and my son, you know, him, all these boys are running around everything. And my husband stands and, you know, in, with his, his crossed arms and his very strong stance, you know, ready to listen and hear what I have to say, which I know. It. So he's facing me with the kids lining up. 
and they all face him and he's like what are you looking at me for she's the coach and they all like were like we what like <laughs> she's a girl like you know like the, it was that kind of aspect and he's like well turn around she's talking you like you know like you better listen and so like they've learned very quickly that he was the enforcer like yeah. he was the enforcer and I was in charge and then I would tell him to do and and it took about two or three practices and then after you know after that second third practice they're like oh shit she's not messing around because like <laughs> and then they didn't know who they were more afraid of like right. he became their BFF on the side and then be like hey coach by the way uh, so and so is whatever and I'm like oh okay like and so and it was that whole dynamic mm -hmm. of being able to see the back end and see some of the things that we can't when we're when we're busy in the in the lead or in the mode, you know, right. and it's like, okay, here's the direction. And then we need that partner to really jump in and help us. Absolutely. Now, parent, parental wise, like mm -hmm. future wise, like do we, are parents at what ages now do we have, are we heading into having to help caretake for parents? I mean, I've, I've had, I've been part of the sandwich generation since my daughter was born. Yeah. Um, so my mom lives with us. We've mm -hmm. been, doing that whole thing for 14 years now um, and it's it's interesting because I seem to have a lot more in common with everybody in their 50s and 60s mm -hmm. um, even though I'm still 30, 38 30 39 <laughs> and it's like you know and then they're going through it for the first moment they're going through losing their parents they're going mm -hmm. through the transitional per period of getting them from one place to the next or even having to start caretaking for them. Mm -hmm. And it's, it to me, when I start thinking about those types of things, it's like, you know, we're planning for our future, for our kids' futures, and we're trying to set up the life that we want. But in the interim, it's also we have the unexpected that's right around the corner. And we never actually know what we're going to have to do to mm -hmm. be there for our elders. Right. What is it, what is the grandparent situation with like is your is your mom still with us? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they're, they're both all of our parents are still are what I consider just my mom being my parent. Yeah. Um, she's still around. She lives in Richardson. Um, she still works. She's got a tax and bookkeeping business. Uh, awesome. My son actually works for her. Cool. So she's she's doing well. She's actually after tax day yesterday. She's now recovering and I'm sure taking her uh, her regular vacation very soon to uh to kind of get away from things and uh recover <laughs> uh, and it's almost parents, like she deserves yeah. a whole spa yeah. center right. you right. know like after all of that and uh my parents um dad had suffered a stroke many years ago uh, mother had had quadruple bypass uh, and both of them collectively it just made more sense to be closer here because of physical therapy because of doctor's visits and you know you know what that that dynamic yeah. is like uh, and they made the decision to join my brother. Uh, and so they, they lived together in Wiley, doing great. Um, and, you know, but again, taking on the transition of doctor's appointments and, you know, the, the transitions mentally and physically uh, for both of those parents have yeah. both been a challenge. Well, so. and especially just because, you know, you're them living with your brother, mm -hmm. like, it's still like, you know, you jump in and you still help in ways you can so it's not yes. always on him right. all the time you know mm -hmm. i it it's amazing to me on how you know sibling con connection is so important mm -hmm. um when you're having to deal with those types of things and if there's a complete disconnect i mean mm -hmm. it can be a shit show yeah. um you know like there my my sister and i are kind of um we are definitely rifted and estranged um obviously not on my part but you guys <laughs> <laughs> Everybody knows who I am. I'm an open book, but, you know. But I, you know, I can get it. I can be a lot to handle. I'm a little crazy, and it's fine. But you know, it, and it's just part of it is because of our upbringing mm -hmm. um, and what we had to endure. And the thing is, is that like that never changes the love I have for her. It never changes me wanting good things for her. It's more of I want her to do what she needs to do for herself. And if I'm strong enough to take care of mom by myself, like yeah. then I'll jump in and do that. Um, and you know, I always update her if things happen and things of that nature. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I need her. Yeah. After everything that we've been through in our childhood, it's mm -hmm. like, 
you know, she's got to do her. Well, you may have had that conversation when you were a little kid when it was like, you know, I wonder what's going to happen if, you know, something happens to mom or what if something's going to happen to dad? Like, what are we going to do? And so I think he and I still feel that same conversation when we were kids, if anything were to happen to the other one first. Yeah. And again, that's, you know, that's something even within our business where, you know, there are situations, um, you know, medically speaking with our clients and, you know, I didn't know if you wanted to be able to share with that well, I mean, transition that, of how we So it's kind of back to, you know, when we talk about uh, who we primarily work with, it's women who are facing retirement on their own mm-hmm. because they be single by choice, they've been divorced. Or their spouse died. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, and so again, kind of based on my background, that's just the direction we felt like that we can add the most value to those people's lives. You know, when you're talking about healthcare in those situations, it's important to have a plan. You, don't, yeah. you, just, you just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's that's where, from the standpoint of, can we help this person get everything in place, make sure they've got all the pieces, whether it's estate planning, taxes, retirement planning, all these different pieces, so that at least from the standpoint of saying, okay, we know everybody's going at some point, how can we make their life as enjoyable as possible before that, right. but then how can we make things as easy as possible on the family when that time comes? Right. Whether or not having to say, well, where's this, where's that? Well, and that's the worst part is that usually when when a sh- the major shift happens, and we're talking the shift of having to intervene and caretake, either finding a location or doing it yourself, you know, and most people are in the financial position to be able to just put them some put mm-hmm. someone somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's it's sad to say put them somewhere like as if, you know, it's like their family members, their mother, right. it's their father, it's their grandparent, it's somebody that's valuable. And it's like you're trying to create an environment to them that still is, you know, manageable and healthy. But then when there's all this chaoticness back and forth and you don't know where papers are, you don't know where documents are, and you don't know who owns what or who has power of attorney for Christ's sake, or, you know, even when, you know, it's leading up, you know, either I've had a lot of clients, you know, that have had their, you know, their family members going on hospice and it's like, they're trying to get their ducks in a row while the person's mm-hmm. in hospice yeah. and it's like and it's it takes away from the grief process yeah. and that you know because you know life and death have so much grossness and beauty at the same mm-hmm. time it's so like just weird it's just it's i mean it's there's no way else to describe it it's messy it's gross mm-hmm. but then there's so much be- beauty and bliss in both the birth process and the death mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. and you know it's like when you don't have that plan in place and you don't have that it's like it's taking away from your grieving process right. and experiencing the entire um time like you know when my grandmother passed um it was actually kind of heartbreak she she had been lately diagnosed um, with multiple sclerosis in her 50s, okay? Mm-hmm. Usually, multiple sclerosis is diagnosed between yeah, your you 20s and 30s, yeah. mm-hmm. and then usually they have a life expectancy of more like 50s, 60s is when they pass because their body starts shutting down on them. My grandmother was a freaking beast. Like, she just, she killed it. I mean, we're talking the most poised, dignified, like, representative, like, she always had her shit together, mm-hmm. and she was always quiet and composed and very stoic in her deliverance. But it was amazing because she it was like in the inside, she was a freaking beast. Like she was so strong. She never let anybody know her struggles. Like everybody mm-hmm. had no idea. And I got to experience, I was always her helper. I always got to help her get dressed and help her do different things. When they wouldn't be moving, I would help pack and do all of that. So I spent I spent a lot of time with them, um, especially being like, you know, her helper until they needed a full-time caretaker. But when she passed, it was my grandfather did such an amazing job making sure that everything was set up. You know, like he was a lawyer, he, you know, CEO of multiple different companies and Chicago Stock Exchange and AARP and all of the like very top, top things. And he really focused on really trying to make sure that she was taken care of because he was like, the caretakers always die first, so I'm going to die first. What he didn't expect was that he lived so long. And so then he all of a sudden looked at it and he's like, crap, I was supposed to die like 10 years ago. Like, and that was his only glitch was that he ended up living longer and past my grandmother, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it was my, there was a, our caretaker took her to her doctor's appointment in our family lake house. There's this, you know, where our sidewalk has this 
dip down steps, patch mm-hmm. stone. The wheelchair got stuck because it was after she had had a couple strokes at night mm-hmm. in her sleep that we had suspected because she wasn't talking. She was smart enough to say she basically didn't speak because she knew it came a come out slurred, and we all know that like, hey, something's wrong with her, mm-hmm. and she didn't want that attention. So she would just listen intently and act like she knew what the hell was going on all the time and sometimes she'd lose track and she'd look around and she'd be like nope okay I'm here again okay we're good and it was just so funny because it was all in quiet like she would just do this but when she felt like so when the caregiver was pushing her on the sidewalk and she fell she broke her leg Mm -hmm. and with MS she's 90 years old and that's like instant death syndrome right Mm -hmm. there because there's no way there's no way and so, you know, she fell, she broke her leg, and then by that Saturday, she was already, you know, on her way out. And we got there just in time, like, just in time beforehand mm-hmm. so the kids could say hi and do all this stuff. But it was so interesting because the caretaker, or caregiver, you know, she, she like, was, like, prepped, tried to prep me before I walked in. She's like, you know, she doesn't look good and da-da-da-da, whatever. And I walked in there, I was like, she looked fucking fabulous. <laughs> like, I was like, she, and I just saw her, and I looked at her and go, Everyone keeps saying that you don't look so good. You look freaking amazing. Do you want your lipstick? And she, and then she kind of like she couldn't talk, but she like perked right yeah. up and was like, "Yep." And she like so I put her lipstick on, and you know, and it was just like she like that was one of her things. And it when she was in that transitional period from you know when you go from the physical world to the spirit world, there's a lot of dynamic. the The more understanding and accepting of where you're going next. Mm-hmm the more peaceful and beautiful the death process is. But, you know, there was this really big fight impulse and this grab impulse, and she kept moving and shaking whatever, and I just put my hand on her and said, you don't have to go anywhere. There's nowhere for you to be but right here, and you're just fine where you are. And as soon as I said that, her whole body relaxed and just stayed where she needed to be. And, and it was, and she wanted to die by herself. Like she wanted, she didn't want people fussing over her. She never did. It was not part of her demeanor, but it was interesting because if it wasn't for the planning of my grandfather doing everything about her care, Mm -hmm. I would have never been able to experience that gross, beautiful transition, you know, because that's where the beauty was of where where she was going, what her next path was. You know, I was able to be there for my grandfather as he was holding her hand for four hours after she passed. Mm-hmm. And he just could not, he did not have the strength or the ability to leave the bed. Right. Like it was, this is my wife. I'm supposed to be right beside her. It took us four hours to get him out of the bedroom mm-hmm. so that we could actually like get him going. And he... I mean, it was the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen because it was like, you know, when you've got, when you're a young kid and you get your heart broken for the first time and you're crying hysterically and all over the place, he was doing that in his 90s. Mm -hmm. And it was just, I mean, it was breathtaking for me to witness something like that. But if he had not been the planner, I would have never been able to see, I would not have been able to see because I would have been busy calling freaking people in the office mm-hmm. and trying to figure out where freaking documents are or what the next process is, and it would have been a shit show. Right. It would have been insane. Yeah. So I love that you are absolutely trying to do, you know, get people set up in the right direction and really doing it from a place of wholesomeness mm-hmm. um, and, genu- and genuineness um, because you've, you honor so much of your family's relationships and where you've been. And, you know, I see you doing that with your work and I'd see you doing that with just your, both of your guys' involvement within the community. So tremendous. I absolutely applaud you. I'm so, I'm so excited to have you guys as capital <laughs> partners and have even just blessed to have your logo on my website to be like, Hey, look, they like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there any advice that you can give us before we head off that, um, in trying to get people where to start or how to do anything. I mean, I, I'm not the person to do this. I, I'd rather hand it off to you. Um, but what what would you advise people, especially people that are in their youth, um, that are listeners? We have a lot of listeners from the 20, 20 through, ages 23 to 27 demographic. Mm-hmm. And then we also have a lot that are in the you know 45 to approaching their 60s. So if you could give some advice for both of those categories, I'd really appreciate that, Eric. So I think for the, for the younger people, start early. Have a plan. Be willing to ask for help. Because, again, you, that's that's the thing that most people, it's hard to ask for help, number one. But number two, you get busy doing life. Right? And so 
you, the busier you are doing life, the more certain things get pushed off. And unfortunately, a lot of times it's finances, it's your money. And what am I, what is our plan? And it doesn't mean that you have to allocate every single dollar towards your future and towards retirement. You actually want to enjoy life now, but don't, have put, some practicality. don't put yourself in a position of, okay, if I lose my job, I'm going to lose my house too. Right. So think, and think at least far enough in advance that you can uh, have a plan in place. What happens if? Make sure if you're younger, that if you're, especially if you're married, you have children, make sure you have enough life insurance. That, you know, I, that was always one of my biggest fears is I get a call from somebody that, uh, a client that passed away that didn't have enough life insurance. Mm. You hear those stories about bake sales and cookie sales and all these different things because you know as soon as you hear those stories, you read those stories, that the, in most cases, unfortunately, it's the husband didn't have any life insurance. Right. So get your ducks in a row. Make sure you've got a plan. Put the foundation in place at least of got enough of emergency fund. I've got life insurance. I've got the things to make sure my family's going to be okay if something happens to me. It's funny because my husband, actually, when we got our life insurance set up, that was the only thing that kept me peace of mind. Like I had so mm -hmm. much stress because I was like, if he dies, because in their family, they die very young. The men do. And so, you know, we ended up getting our, as soon as we signed those documents and did the whole process, I actually slept because, and it wasn't like, it wasn't, you know, I don't want my husband going anywhere, but at the same time, it was the fact that we had it in place so that I wasn't freaking out financially. Mm -hmm. But the best part was that as soon as, you know, you have that wait period to until you like, it really, the deal is sealed. Right, right. And so we received that, we received that letter in the mail and I like literally go, hey honey, I can start poisoning you now. We're good. <laughs> like, and then he's like, fantastic. Is it the little white pills? And I'm like, no, that's still melatonin. Like, like. <laughs> But, but from the other, as far as, say, people in their 50s or 60s, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this from the, from the woman's perspective is, you know, when you think about your grandfather, he was, he unfortunately is in many cases the exception to where it's the, the a, lot of, a lot of times it's the man who takes responsibility for the investing in the retirement planning and the wife kind of just lets it happen. But unfortunately, as you, as we all know, in most cases, it is the husband that goes first. Yeah, I, just, I actually just thought I heard a statistic that I had not actually. Everybody's kind of aware of it, do you think? But never put the numbers to it. That eighty percent of men die married, eighty percent of women die single. Holy shit! Repeat that again slowly. Eighty percent of men die married, eighty percent of women die single. Wow! Right, and it's there's the life expectancy things and all those things that people know about. But it's the, it's the situation where the woman doesn't take an active role in the financial situation, in the planning. Right. And then they're left on their own not knowing where where is things. What, how are we invested? Did we make the right decision as to when we're starting Social Security? Right. All these different variables that, that if you delegate that to the man and not take an active role, it's the woman that's going to ultimately be putting the put in the most difficult situation because... Again, statistically speaking, at least, they're the one that's going to be the survivor. Right. And if you don't have the pieces in place, if you don't do the right planning and don't have and don't take an active role in the retirement planning process, again, you're the woman is most often going to be the one that's that's hurt by that. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing I would say. It's it needs to be if you're a married couple, work together, at least communicate about it. Right. You can still have one that might be the primary decision maker, but don't strictly rely on the other spouse to do everything. From a financial perspective right. and if you're a woman and you're planning for retirement on your own and you don't feel comfortable with it reach out ask for help women don't necessarily have a problem asking for help uh, but there's also statistics about you know when the husband passes away 70 percent of women change their financial advisor within a year wow because there wasn't the relationship the financial, they like the financial <laughs> exactly they were like, the financial I advisor like didn't talk to him right. right you don't know how many stories that i hear about well the the financial advisor always spoke to my husband mm -hmm. he never really he never acknowledged me or never asked me how i felt right about but he's still things. making he's still advising right. plans for right. me in my life even though he doesn't even know who the hell i am exactly <laughs> which is crazy there's so many stories that i hear about i mean I, again i can tell you all kinds of stories about uh, horror stories about decisions that were made and we'll have to do that for another we'll have to do that for another podcast right i think that'll be a but i think that's the, again it's it all comes down to asking for help uh do your research talk to people that you trust um find somebody who listens to you awesome. and can help you make the right decisions
And have a good partner, have a good like partner. wicked, wicked, awesome Dawn here, because she's been freaking fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the Capital Life today. I really appreciate your time, and I love just being able to be in your guys's energy for the day. So, thank you guys so much. Thank you for thank having you. us. Thanks for joining me today on the Capital Life, where we talk about all the things. Join me next time on Saturday for Tears in Heaven, as we are going to have our Memorial Day special. You can also follow and subscribe to, uh, to us on YouTube and Facebook at Capital Health. That's K-A-P-I-T-O-L, Health. But I'd also like to encourage you guys to share with your friends and family. The Capital Life is available on all podcasting platforms, except Pandora, because they saw anywhere you guys already know that. Um, our goal in the Capital Life is to provide a safe place to get information when it comes to your health and wellness, especially when dealing with all of life's phases. Remember to take care of yourself, because you're somebody's everything. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. Information here is provided in part by third-party sources. These sources are generally deemed to be reliable. However, neither Blake Wealth Management, private client services, nor RFG advisory guarantee the accuracy of third-party sources. The views expressed here are those of Eric Blake, they do not necessarily represent those of private client services, RFG advisory, their employees, or their clients. These com commentary should not be regarded as a directive advisory services provided by Lake Wealth Management or RFG advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives through private client services, member FINRA slash SIBC advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG advisory, LLC, RFG advisory, or RFG, a registered investment advisor, private client services, Blake Wealth Management, and and RFG advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensory. licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG 
RFG advisory unless a client agreement is in place. RFG advisory is a SEC registered investment adver advisor. SEC registration does not continue. constitute an endorsement of RFG by the commission, nor does it indicate that RFG or any associated investment advisory representative has attained a particular level of skill or ability.